Hey, Buckaroos, my name is Myers Raymer, and I'm an alcoholic. Thank you guys for staying this morning. It's, it's like Sunday mornings is a, is a travel day at most conferences, and everybody's bailing out real early heading home, and I certainly understand that sentiment for darn sure. But it's always uncomfortable to talk to an empty room, and I've done that too. It's like three, three people out there, and I'm trying to get some momentum in the room, and you can't seem to get it all going, and thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for Matt last night for the, for the, the, the story that he told. And uh, uh, sometimes, sometimes I hear stories that are told from a level of your gut that is so powerful that I just kind of sit back and go, I'm so delighted to be a part of this thing. It's just an amazing deal, and I'm, I'm so grateful. Grateful for the story and grateful for the fact that they're here this weekend to tape this stuff. Sometimes these guys get in here and out of here, and we don't ever thank them for the efforts that they make. And, and uh, weeks later when we're listening to that CD so that we can figure out what that guy said, um, um, it's amazing. How, 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 uh, how much we're benefited by having them here. Um, we got to scoot through this. We got one hour to do step 12 stuff, and it's the reason I came. It's the, it's the, if there is a secret handshake in AA, uh, this is it. It's, it's this 12-step stuff. And yet it's the stuff that as a fellowship worldwide, we, team, we, sit, we tend to trivialize it. And we, if it's convenient, I'll do some 12-step work. If, it, if the stars line up just perfect, if she comes along for the ride if if whatever it is I mean there's a million excuses a million reasons to do 12-step work and there's a million reasons to not do 12-step work and yet it's like um um let me ask you a question how many of you guys how many of you guys had friends that had sex before you did any okay and remember when they they they'd tell you stories about this stuff? I mean listen when you, when you look like me it was I was way downrange before I ever <laughs> way downrange and it's like, but, but these guys would tell me these stories like this, and I'm thinking, God, this must be, God, it must be the coolest thing in the world, man. It must be just like, and then, and then somebody has pity on you, and they say, okay, come on, let's go do this. And this. <laughs> let's, get, <laughs> let's, get, let's get this, <laughs> they go, let's get this crap over with. I go, okay, like that. So, but anyway, but afterwards, I'm like looking around going, oh, holy cow, I, I'm not believing this. This is the coolest thing in the whole wide world. And, and it's kind of like that with 12-step work. It's a, <laughs> stick, stick with me here. Stick with me here. Honest. <laughs> it's exactly the same kind of scenario. It's like I can stand here and I can tell you that 12-step work is the coolest thing in the world and that you'll never be the same again if you'll do it. And yet... And yet we have tens of thousands of AA guys out there in AA land that will never do any 12-step work because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Because they've sold themselves the bill of goods that they're too stupid, they're too slow, they're too whatever. It doesn't make any difference. They have too many issues that are unresolved. They have, there's a million reasons not to do this thing. And, it, and because they haven't experienced it, now they want to just sort of discount the whole end of the book. They just want to sort of trivialize the whole thing. But once they do it, they go, holy this is the coolest thing in the world. If you go back and you look at the original, the original work, or the original or the archive type material, what you'll find is, is that the, these cats two weeks sober were out carrying the message. Some of these guys at two weeks were, were sponsoring people. There weren't enough people to go around, and so they were actively in the trenches doing this kind of stuff. And yet we got guys here that are 10 or 15 years sober, and they've never sponsored anybody. I run across them all the time. Sponsor two of them right now. 15 years sober, never sponsored anybody. A million reasons why they can't do that. 
Bill Wilson thought it was so important that he wrote a whole chapter in the end of the book. The whole chapter, chapter 7, working with others, is a, is, is a classic description of, 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 of what we do. Fred's story, Jim's story, uh, the, all of these stories, uh, Bill's story, where they 12-step these things, are classic el illustrations of how to 12-step somebody. Um, um, I think Bill thought it was important. I mean, it was like step 12, and they tell us exactly what it was. If you've got your book, turn real quick, and we'll do this. it just take us a second to do. Page 60. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Look at the way that this sentence is structured. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, pretend that comma is a period so you can look at it like that. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message. What message? That we'd had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps. Folks, can you think of any cooler message to carry a brand new guy? I worked the work, and I had a spiritual awakening as a result of doing this work, and here I'm ready to transmit this same information to you so that you too can have this spiritual awakening. That's what we were supposed to be doing. It wasn't about this nonstop sharing our day that we get. And we, we, by now, by this weekend, you understand the stance on that stuff. Share, but let, why don't we share this? Why don't we have a whole meeting where we just share this step 12 stuff and talk about it like that? Listen, if Bill Wilson and those cats had thought that the sharing was really important, don't you think they would have done step 12? Go to meetings and share. I, it's not there, guys. It's, it's not. And it was, it was, it was not... I have no problem with the sharing. I'll, I'll say this one more time. I said it the other night, and I'll say it again. I have no problems with the sharing. I just wonder why there's so dang much of it. Why can't we moderate some of this stuff and try doing some of this, drag this, some of this 12-step stuff back into the deal? Look at, look at, do what? You could do that. That would be an interesting idea. Working with others on, on page 7, I mean on page 89, chapter 7, Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. I, these are directives from these guys as they went through this. This is what they, they, they found and understood was going to be important as we carried through this thing. And in, and in every instance when I have a chronic relapser that I'm dealing with, most of the time this is where it comes down to. What are you doing around 12-step work? Well, you know, we have a meeting that's real private and we don't get too many new guys in there. Well, go get them. Go get them. Go out there and, and, and find them. The world is full of drunks that are dying because they don't know that there's a solution. Go get them. At Primary Purpose Group in Dallas, the group that I'm, my home group, um, um, there are 200 people in there studying the big book on a, on a Tuesday night. It's a huge, huge study group. Members of that group carry meetings to 50 different places some of those are the same places, but we conduct 50 different meetings every week besides our three meetings, our three book studies that we have. That's 50 places that we're going. That's thousands and thousands of people that are hearing a clear-cut message of recovery every, every week. And it's an amazing thing. And our group was built from the, mem from the people that came out of these treatment centers. These weren't mainstream discussion meeting kind of guys that came over and decided they liked our group that are there. Most of the guys that came from our group 
or guys that were little busted up fried pies sitting in a treatment center someplace and one of our guys or gals came over, did a meeting and they said, hey, this is the coolest stuff in the whole wide world. This is the way I want to start my recovery is right there coming over there and studying with you guys. And they stay and they stay and they stay and they study and sometimes they go back to their original home groups. Sometimes they travel other places. But that's how the, the nature, the face of AA changes by that, by the efforts that we make trying to stay focused on Tradition 5, what our primary purpose is. This is what we were what we were all about. Um, it's like 90% of the ilks in AA could be solved with strong sponsorship. If we just simply had guys that were willing to stand strong and firm for the things that we know and understand from our literature, instead of just letting them flow free and do whatever they want to do. I know everybody says, well, God's directing all that. I, I think you're right. Sometimes I think God is directing that, but sometimes I think that God's not directing that. I think sometimes self-will is directing that, and it just gets so convoluted, and we, we sort of understand that. Let me tell you a quick story. Um, You guys, from Friday night when we were talking about this stuff, you, I, I got hooked in with these big book thumpers, and, and, and I'm studying over there, and it's all warm and fuzzy, and, and I'm getting so much better than I was. And for almost two years, um, I drove Cliff, Krusty Cliff, the old dude, I drove him all over Dallas doing 12-step work. He had gigs almost every night, 80-something years old. He was 70-something at the time, but he'd, he'd, he'd have these gigs everywhere, and I would drive him and carry his books for him. And that was my... That was my 12-step stuff. I'm still not convinced that I can actively and effectively carry a message of recovery, so I'm not going to do it. And so I just sit there quietly, and as soon as the meeting's over, I gather up his books, and I head out to the parking lot, and I wait for him to come out. And sometimes it's an hour before he comes out because he's doing 12-step work with these guys inside this treatment place. But I'm already outside. My job is done. Thank you. So I was sitting in this meeting one night, and I, and I had this, this moment of clarity. I'm, just, I'm looking around the room at all these people that are studying, and I'm looking around the room, and I'm going, oh, no. I'm still different from every one of these guys. And I, I remember Clifford was standing there after the meeting, and I said, hey, can I have five minutes with you? And he said, sure, come on. We went into this little back room, and I said, look, I'm still different than you all, aren't I? And he said, yep. He said, there's not much difference between the day that I met you when you were in my living room and today, two years later, there's not much difference except that you know the book now. You understand the literature, but you're still so selfish you won't carry it. Fuck. <laughs> All right, so tell me what I do. And I, I'll never forget him because he was, the, he was, he's the kindest man I've ever met, but he was so frustrated with me he wanted to weep. He just, I remember he looked at the ceiling and he just kind of rubbed his face and he looked at me and he said, look... Myers, I'm going to tell you one more time, like he's told me before. I don't remember him ever telling me before. He said, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get off your butt and go try to help somebody else and reap the benefits of this program, or I want you to go away. And once again, I'm thinking he's talking about go away till the Thursday meeting when we can hook up again. <laughs> but in a split second, I realized that Cliff Bishop was telling me to go away, go away. He's done with me. And my, and my selfish, goofy ass. And so I just said, okay, I'll, I'll do. What do you want me to do? He says, this is Tuesday night, tomorrow night's a Wednesday night gig. They all go out to the Salvation Army, uh, uh, Clifford and a bunch of guys. And, and he said, just meet us out there and we'll do this meeting. And I said, okay. And he said, but you're going to do some talking while you're out there. I said, oh, okay, I will. 
And I remember walking out of the office and Dara Vasquez, that girl I was talking about Friday night that I bust her anonymity like this, she was, I think she was leaning against the door, leaning, listening. She swears she wasn't, but when I opened the door, she jumped up and looked at me like that. And I, and I said, are you believing what he asked me to do? And she says, I hope he asked you to get off your dead ass and go carry a message. <laughs> Just like that. Just like that. And I walked out the thing like this and I'm flipping her the bird as I walk out. And I, and, and I, Next morning, I'm all stirred up inside. I don't want to go up there and talk to those guys, and I, but I, I do. Um, I walk around the corner. I'm sitting out in the parking lot ahead of time, and there's nobody else from Primary Purpose there. It's just me. I would later find out this had all been planned. <laughs> Clifford had called the other two guys that go out with Cliff on Wednesday night and said, don't go. Myers is going to handle it. And so I, I, I walked in. <laughs> you, Years, years ago, years ago, I had been I had been um, mugged by a couple of black guys in a in a in a part of town where I had no business being doing buying some stuff that I had no business buying and 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 for there I was been terrified of black men just terrified that they were going to kill me again and and um, so I walk around this corner into this big old gymnasium and there's 160 black guys in this room and they're all sitting back on the back wall all muscled up and they all have their arms folded and they all have sunglasses on and they're scaring the crap out of me. I just flat, I'm thinking, I can't fit. There's no place this pasty white little guy would rather not be than standing at the Salvation Army on that hot Wednesday night. I didn't want to be there and I'm not seeing any benefit to the whole thing at all and I walk in and I go, God, what am I going to do? And then I think, well we got to do this meeting, there ain't no way I can get out. And so I stand up there, I open the book, and we read a little bit, and we have this meeting, and, and it's pretty fun, actually. It's pretty fun. These guys are responding. They're kind of moving up towards where I am like this. They're not way back in the back. We get done with this meeting, and, and we do the Lord's Prayer, and we're all, all sitting here like this, and we get done with the Lord's Prayer, and, and as a side road, if you've never been in a big old gymnasium with 160 black men saying the Lord's Prayer, you need to do this, okay? It's... <laughs> It's worth the price of admission, I promise you. It is, it is an amazing sound. And so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this stuff, and we, we get done, and this guy says, hey, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. And I'm thinking, this is where they kill me. And, and he says, he says um, any chance you could come back over here tomorrow night and do this again? And I just kind of... You know, these kind of weird feelings you get inside like that, there's a part of me that's so glad I just finished what I did, I'm really excited, and there's a part of me that wants to just weep because of what he just asked me. Because I, I was going to milk this talk forever. I was going to milk it. Ten years from now, I'm going, yeah, I did a talk at it, Salvation Army, and it's like, you know what I'm saying? We do that kind of stuff sometimes. We take one incident, and we just milk it for all of its, all its worth. And that's what I was going to do. So, so I said, okay, well, I'll do that. Uh, and I leave. And I've got to tell you the weird deal, guys, is I'm, I'm one talk into this process of this 12-step work. One talk in. And the next morning I get up, and I'm kind of, okay, let's hit the road, man. I get to work, and I'm, and I'm distracted. I can't seem to concentrate on what I'm doing. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I, I look at my wife, and I said, listen, I've got to go change clothes because I've got to go do this talk tonight. And she said, what? And I said, yeah. She said, I thought you were out there last night. And I said, I am, but I'm going back. And she looked at me like this, and she says, what time's the, the talk? And I says, 8 o'clock. And, and I, I went, but I got to get ready. And, and she, she says, see ya. Yeah. And so I get home and I change clothes. And, and about 6.30, I'm back over at Salvation Army in Dallas, uh, sitting there in that hot Land Cruiser with no air conditioning at 6.30. And I'm just, by the time security opens up at 8 o'clock to let me in, I'm soaking wet. 
I, I'm just like uh, sitting out in that truck. But I am so, I can't figure it out. I'm so excited about being there, and I don't have no clue why. And I walk around the corner, and when I walked around the corner, everybody starts walking towards me. And it's like one of these things where, you know when people walk at you a little too fast? It's, it like, it, it's like that. You get a whole bunch of guys walking towards you like this. And I went like this, and I put my hand up. And when I did, there was this great big black guy. His, his shoulders were about this wide. I promise you, his arms like this were about like this. And it, it, he was, it was big around as my waist is his arms. And he grabbed me like this and scooped me up and hugged me and picked me up off the ground. And I'm pushing. I'm thinking, he's... Sweet Jesus, I'm gonna die now. He's just like, he's just gonna. I'm pushing as hard as I can against this guy trying to get away, and I'm struggling, and my legs are like this kicking, and I just, I, I want him to put me down, and he's scaring me, and he, I, he didn't realize how much he was scaring me, and, 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 but it all of a sudden it occurred to me, you know what? This is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life trying to push away from this guy. He, he could mop, mop me up with the floor if he wanted to. He just sitting, he just. He just finally, I just quit pushing, and I just kind of relaxed, and then he, just, he was just holding me. My feet weren't even touching the ground, and he's just holding me like this. And I just kind of went, oh, okay, and I just laid my hand over this. Yeah. Guys, that's been 15 years ago. 14 years ago, something like that, and I can still tell you everything. I can tell you, about the, I can tell you the way that guy smelled. I can tell you the way his shirt felt on my face. I can tell you everything about it, and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that in my whole 55 years of being on God's green earth, I've never been held more gently, more kindly, more sweetly than that man held me that night, and I promise you every piece of bigotry, every piece of goofy hate that I had in me was gone, was gone. And as a quick side road, for the next year and a half, I would sponsor more black men than you can shake a stick at. And it, it, was the, it was the craziest gift from God I've ever had in my whole life. He dealt me in a hundred different ways in that one deal. And we sat down and we had this absolutely, I felt like Jimmy swaggered out there. I, was, I mean, it was, the, it was the funnest meeting I've ever been in in my whole life like that. And these guys were laughing their butts off and we were having a great time. And after this deal, we said, we said the Lord's Prayer, and, and I'm, I'm the hair standing on the back of my neck again like this, and we, we drop hands like this, and this guy said, hey, uh, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. And he said, Could, uh, would you be my sponsor? And, and I went, and I start to do like this, and five or six other guys go, no, me too, me too, me too, around the room like this. And I, so see, I go, from, I, I go from sponsoring nobody to sponsoring six men in one meeting, and I had nothing to do with it except my willingness to get off my dead butt and go try to carry a message, which I knew. I understood what it was I was supposed to do once I got there. I understood this stuff. It was simply my own ego and my own arrogance that kept me separate from the primary purpose that this fellowship set for me 70 years ago. I just, I just couldn't get it. I just didn't. But I got it. And there would start the journey. Um, there would, there would begin the physical and mental shift in, in, in how I perceived AA and how I perceived the program that I had practiced and not put to use. And the results of this thing over the years is the most magical thing that I've ever experienced in my whole life. Being in a room full of drunks carrying a message of recovery is the funnest, coolest, sweetest thing that I've ever been given on this earth. Um, and it is indeed the most powerful thing that I've ever been given and it makes me want to weep when I stand in rooms full of people who have not experienced it. 
because it, it's, it's not that they don't experience it because the opportunity's not there. They don't experience it because of their own ego and arrogance, which I understand. I'm a card-carrying member. I'm a poster boy of that club. You see? You get this stuff. Now all you need to do is simply submit to the process of helping somebody. The biggest single question that I get from women all over the world regardless of where I've been is, how come there are no more strong women in AA? And if you're a strong woman and you're in this meeting, thank you. Thank you for being here. I cannot tell you how proud I am that you're here. And there are tens of thousands of women that are grateful because you're here. We have fellowships in this world, this fellowship that we're in, that tends to let women off the hook. We let old guys off the hook. We let young guys, we discount them. Fuck, you know, they don't... What do they know? Oh, man. Oh, man. For you old guys that came and stayed, despite all the goofiness in our fellowship, thank you. Thank you. I am so grateful that you're here. I am. If there's anything that I can ever do to help you guys on this stuff, we got websites packed with information. I got a telephone that's on 24-7. Call me. Call me. I guarantee you, I'm going to tell you this going in. Go ahead and stand for something in AA and you're going to take some heat. You're going to take some cheap shots. You're going to take some, some goofy crap from the idiots on the sideline that don't have a clue what it is. Now, I'm, I'm saying that with all the love I can muster. They're, they're, they're welcome. <laughs> but when they call you and say something unkind and they hurt your feelings, call me. Call me. And I'll tell you what a hero you are. I'll tell you how many thousands of lives you'll change before you're through with this walk. I'll tell you. Thank you so much. My name's Chris Raymer, recovered alcoholic. Chris. I, uh, yeah, how cool is this? Somewhere along the line, we... People are always asking me the questions, well, Chris, you were in AA for seven years. Why, why didn't you get sober then? And why all of a sudden at seven years you finally got sober? Did you just decide that you were ready to get, you know, it's like we always want to dump this back on the, the person. You know, you got sober because you finally were ready to get sober. Could it possibly be that you got sober finally because somebody told you how to get sober? See, we, this is not about willpower and, and the, the want or the need to get sober. This is about actually getting off your butt and doing something. In 1987, when I walked in that room after that suicide attempt, the old geezers made it real clear to me. He said, buddy, we're going to work with you. And we're going to show you how one day at a time we can show you how to live your life. And part of that's going to be active uh, service work. We're gonna, you're going to get busy in this deal. And I said yes. I mean, they, they, they say, are you willing to go to any length? And then they explain to me what that looks like. You with us? I mean, everybody, we read it all the time. Are you willing to go to any lengths? Yes. But, but what does that look like? Because the first time they asked me, well, Chris, we need somebody on the cleanup committee. It was like two days later we did a group conscience, you know, and they said they needed somebody to clean up. And I said, and everybody, I looked, I noticed, look, I looked up for my coffee and everybody was looking at me. <laughs> no, no, Liz, uh, no, absolutely not. I, I'm three days in this group. I, remember me desire chip most important person here remember no you clean up your own damn club I'm not gonna but see this is what I'd done for seven years I'd sat on the sidelines and watched you chair meetings I watched you clean up I watched you go do 12-step work you'll follow I watched you speak from the podiums and I did nothing nothing 
and who let me do nothing. We did. Our fellowship. People get caught about that. Oh my God, you can't take shots at us like, yes, I can. I, this is my experience. I Remember I told you Friday night. My experience may be different than your experience. I landed in this room, guys, and these, I finally landed in a room for people that understood that, that we are here in this spiritual program of action and that we have one primary purpose. We've been reading it all weekend, page 17. It's our, our common problem and our common solution. And that's what ties us all together. Our stories are all different. Our walks of life are all different. But, but the commonality with us is the problem and the solution. Same thing, the little 17-year-old girl sitting in the back, her solution is exactly the same as mine. Get off your dead ass, finish working the steps, go help somebody else. It was first century Christianity. We didn't, we didn't invent this. We stole it from the Christians. But I'm bummed. There you go. And a bunch of other spiritual doctrine and psychology, and we stole it from everybody we could steal it from, and we came up with something that worked pretty dadgum good. It always freaks me out because people... Some of y'all have done it today, and I mean, it's your, in your kindness. This is one of the nicest weekends that we've had. We were talking about it last night because we're, we're preaching to the choir. So many of y'all are in the trench with us. Y'all, we're not talking to a bunch of people grinding their teeth. Well, I don't think you have, you know, y'all understand what it's like. Sometimes it can get really hot out there. Again, you're spoiled because you're sitting in groups where people are doing this. But the truth is, most of AA land out there is like Sodom and Gomorrah. And, I'm, and I'll say it from the podium. It's like, it's like we're going to do everything except what's in the big book. And if you want to, perhaps downstream, you can sponsor somebody. But of course, that takes effort, and I'm not about to give you that. And so when I get goofy and start taking a bunch of pills or get crazy and go out and drink again, everybody's just going to scrape me off the side of the plate and blame me for it. But these guys loved me enough to scoop me up and say, buddy, listen, you're going to get on this cleanup committee. We asked you if you wanted to do it, but we're telling you, this is what, this is what any links looks like. You've been a taker all your life. It's time to start giving back. Your, your head's mush from all the drugs you've done and all the alcohol you've drank. You don't have the ability to do a lot of what we want you to do just yet, but you can push a vacuum cleaner. And I got to tell you, I was in a catering business for years in the restaurant business. I knew how to push a vacuum cleaner, and by God. And I came in the next day early, and I cleaned that club down. And I got to tell you, it was the first time I sat there at 6 o'clock, had me a cup of coffee, and a little folks started walking in, and this lady walked in, and she screamed. She went in the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. She said, I, who? She whirled around the corner and looked at me. She says, did you clean that bathroom? I said, yes, ma'am. And she came up and hugged my neck. She said, this is the cleanest I've ever seen this club. <laughs> absolutely bulletproof absolutely I could have stood in front of a mirror I'm a beautiful child of God and everybody loves me instead I did something for somebody and got the results y'all understand what that what that means God selfish to the core and I finally get up to do something and and they start to explain to me that night guys when we, we got on into this thing we talk about the cornerstone a lot in the second step on page 56 we talk about the keystone and this through this arch we're going to walk on page 50, 62 because I always forget the pages I wrote it down this is the third step what's the foundation stone I understand what it is ask in any meeting and they'll say it's the first step first step is the only one you have to work 100% you follow but the big book says working with others is the foundation stone That means if you want to base this on something, you better be basing it on working with others. 
in your own way. That's what that's about. Dr. Bob worked with over 5,000 drunks in his period of time. I've seen some, some, some more recent archival stuff that suggests that he worked with a hell of a lot more than that. He didn't take these cats on to raise, folks. He knew his job was to, to get them, qualify them, get them through the 12 steps, pat them on the ass, send them out there. They're going to start working with some drunks, and he's going to go get him some more. Make sense? Some of us sitting in this room right now, we think... I, I did a sponsorship deal in Florida not long ago, and a guy came up after and says, if you're sponsoring more than three or four people, your ego's involved. I said, buddy, if you'd sponsor a few more, I wouldn't have to sponsor so many. I don't know. Because we've gotten off the page. We've gotten off the page. Even our AA literature won't explain what this sponsorship's about. If you get that little AA Q&A on sponsorship that AA pr produces, it's a great piece of information. If you want to marry somebody and take them on to raise, read that, read that pamphlet. Nowhere in the pamphlet does it say your responsibility is to take them through the steps and get them spiritually connected to God. I wonder why we left that out of our own literature. Way, way, way different philosophies. That's why there were more people in Akron at the time getting sober than there were in New York. Because we understood this was about giving. Guys, it's all about giving. And you, each of us in our own way. And that's what we want to quickly, quickly talk about. This is not my message. It's just the message. The same message that saved Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson. is the same message that saved number three and number four. And you guys in here, some of you guys have been sober. Myself. Y'all understand that? It's the same message. And you don't have to candy coat this message for anybody else, but we're all going to share it in our own little individual ways. i got to read something for you real quick. I was talking at a, at a meeting in Austin not long ago, and this lady came up and gave me this. This was a, She put it on a little bookmark. This was a copy of a letter that her son had written um, several months before he died. He was in another fellowship where they don't uh, encourage people to work with others until you've been sober a couple of years. He's had trouble staying sober. He's been in and out of treatment. He's been in and out of the fellowships for years. He ends with this. I hope to one day make you all proud that you have me in your lives. Maybe someday down the line I can freely give to others that which has been given to me. Y'all get it? Maybe someday I can pull my head out of my butt and look around and realize there are other people less fortunate than me and give back what was so freely given to me. And by giving, I get to receive. That was where first century Christianity came into this. This whole thing was about giving. But yet we've got a fellowship. It, it always freaks me out. You guys stand up there from the podium talking just like us. You know, you're talking about the, the need to work with others and hurry up and get through this work and, and the documented information that everybody worked the steps in 30 or 40 days and then we turned around and that was our primary purpose. That's what the fifth tradition is. It's our primary purpose. We're a spiritual entity having one primary purpose to carry the message to the alcoholic. The message to the alcoholic that we need to carry is not what to do with your stupid grandkids or your, or your weed eater or your day. It's, it's the 12 steps and the, and the resultant spiritual experience. That's what we're supposed to be carrying. But we've got people sitting in meetings today telling you, you can't chair a meeting until you're six months sober. You can't go work with anybody until you're sober a year. We're not even going to take you through the steps until you've been sober two years. We hear it all the time. But you see, we're the controversial speakers. 
We're the ones that are taking the flack. And these assholes are getting away with murder by taking this and putting their own spin. Well, I know what the big book says, but this is what my sponsor had me do. The, the absolute arrogance of us, the absolute arrogance of us to take this and put our own spin on it like that. Make sense? Come on, guys. I think the steps are open and roomy. Bill Wilson said the closer that you can adhere to what we're talking about in these, in these, in these books, the closer you can adhere to the steps, the, the faster you're going to have this spiritual experience, the better it's going to be from you. But we're all going to have to think on our feet. It's the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. We're after the spirit of this thing. So if you've got to go a little slower with somebody because they're all banged up, that's okay. If you need to take a little longer with some in this certain area, that's okay. But the idea is that this sense of urgency is there because unless I start giving back I'm not going to feel the feeling that Myers was talking about and that window starts to close and pretty soon I don't realize what I'm here for make sense we're here as soldiers in the trench to help people you can hear it now I'm too sick to help anybody. I can't even help myself. You're, you're catching on. You're right. You can't. We're like a bunch of ingrown hairs. It's time. All we think about, all we think about is, is us and what we got. <laughs> what we got to do is just get out of our head for a little bit. And the first time you start helping somebody, that's the miracle that's going to take place. When we sit down with a guy, we explain to him, we're going to work him through the steps pretty quick, and then we're going to turn around and we're going to let them start working with others. Myers does a great job when he talks about this sponsorship deal. Guys, early on, it's kind of time-consuming. But after they've gotten through this work, we pat them on the little butt and they're out. The only thing I'm doing for them then is holding them accountable. I'm watching them. I'm seeing them in meetings. I'm paying attention to what they're doing. I'm going to teach them about the traditions. I'm going to show them about AA etiquette, about getting your coffee and not being disturbing in meetings and punctuality and being honest little stuff that old timers taught me shaking the hand of the speaker at the end of the deal just, even if you didn't like the bastard you know go up and shake his hand and thank him because because that's what we do try to drink dress appropriately try not to cuss too much try to you know it's like we teach that and then we move on and then I'm watching them and I'm watching the clock and I'm paying attention and said buddy you've been sober six months where are you sponsor we do a little group called Mad Dogs with the guys I sponsor in our little lineage. Every other Thursday night we get together and that's what we do. We, we go around in a circle and we introduce ourselves first and last name. Oh, this fuck anonymity. I don't want anybody to know who I am. You know, come on, guys. I, would, I was on the prayer list of every church in the hill country. Everybody knew I was a drunk. But all of a sudden, I get sober. Now everybody, I tiptoe around. I don't want anybody to know I'm in AA, you know. Oh, my gosh. I got circle and triangles on everything I own. I want you to know I'm in the program because if you get in trouble, I want to be there to help you. Make sense? At a public level, I protect my anonymity. At the personal level here, if you go to the hospital, how can I find you? I don't even know your last name. My name's Chris R. <laughs> My name's Chris Raymer. I live in Ingram, Texas. If you need me, check out the internet. You can get my number. God, unless you're a girl, don't call me. I, <laughs> I do this mad dog group, and these guys all get in this group with us, and we go around and introduce ourselves first and last name, and we introduce our spot, we talk who our sponsor is. And the next question is, how many people are we sponsoring? You'll follow? And then we get a commitment. Where's my one weekly commitment? If I'm going to sponsor you from day one, you're going to have a weekly commitment. Coffee commitment? You with us? Cleanup commitment? Cigarette butt commitment? Something. H&I out at the hospitals? You're going to do something to give back to this fellowship. If you're not willing to do that, I'm not willing to sponsor you. 
And if, that's the way it works. Y'all follow? It's about a, this accountability. We're going we're gonna to watch. If I sit there in a meeting on Wednesday night and I'm sitting there reading and every time I turn around, you're up getting another cup of coffee. You got your nose stuck up that girl's butt about that far. I said, no, we, we're, we're going to have a conversation. You follow? Not rigid. I'm not, I don't, we, just very simple. You know, you get your coffee, you sit your butt down and you sit for 45 minutes and you, and you pay attention to what we're doing here. You're going to be a representative and you watch that door. And when you see that little newcomer come in, if you don't recognize him, go get him. How, we, we forget sometimes, we assume that the newcomer knows the questions to ask. We sit here, don't you remember how uncomfortable it was when you walked in that first AA club and you looked around and says, oh my God, and all them old geezers over there and they're playing dominoes and shit and you get, that got that guy, oh God, look, the guy's got a patch on his eye, oh shit, I don't know what I'm going to do here, you know? <laughs> and you don't know and you see some literature there, but you don't know what it is and you don't know the coffee and like, you with us? You don't even know where the bathroom is and you're just standing there at the door, but the guys are in the middle of a game and they're not about to stop. How, how, we wonder why our, atten- our membership is down. Go get that newcomer. Grab hold of him. The problem is never getting people to come to this fellowship. Meyer said it Friday night. The problem is keeping people in this fellowship. And it's our job is to make this thing as, 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 as fresh and inviting to them as we can possibly do. Now, I got to tell you something, guys. I, 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 that little girl that, that snagged me that night in that meeting, I'm going to tell you again, if, if, if it hadn't been for this little 19-year-old girl snagging me and pulling me down in a chair, I'd have gone and died. But this little girl knew what her job was, and it wasn't to be there looking, I have to be just, I have to work with just women. You know, this, this girl knew what she was supposed to be about. You watch that door, I got to tell you. The first time, first time you walk into an AA meeting, and you see one of you little guys that you've been sponsoring, and he's got a little big book over, and you hear this in back in the back room, and look back over there. What the hell's back over there? And he's got this book open. And he's got this little new guy. You can see him. He's got a treatment center bracelet on. You know, he's out of one of the treatment centers, and, and this little guy's got his book open. And he's got his little finger stuck in his face. And I listen. Here's what we're gonna do. I want to show you. Let me let me explain to you what any link looks like. You know what? You know what? And then you sit back like that. You know, get back so he can't see you. You know, and you sit there and you listen to this little doll, and you get to see. You get. I can't not cry thinking about it. It's exactly what happened to me. Some old geezer grabbed hold of me and showed me what to do. A, a group of people, oh, they loved me to death, but they held me accountable. And the first chance I had to sponsor somebody, the guy says, buddy, can you help me through this work? Can you sponsor me? And just like Myers, my head says, no, <laughs> run. And I found myself saying, yeah, you betcha. And if I don't understand something about this and I don't know the question, I can always ask my sponsor. He said, that's good enough for me. Let's go. You follow? And the next day, you got people in the group taking my inventory. You haven't been sober long enough to sponsor anybody. Oh, God dang, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I'm, just, I'm grateful as I can possibly be that nobody told Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob that. Yeah. <laughs> and the... And they always come back with the same nonsense. They always come back with the same nonsense. Well, that's different. That's different. How? Absolutely. Buddy, you know, we're not going to take responsibility for the successes and we're not going to take responsibility for the failures. The problem is, that, is, is, is not that we're having some cats that are not saying... The problem is that we're not trying at all. We're not, you're, going to, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. Y'all with us on that one? The problem is everybody gets a shot. Everybody wants to separate themselves. 
the women get off, the everybody gets off, and I, I, I just, the thing that ties us together, I got to say it, could run, we got a, a speaker coming in at 10, but the, the, the thing that ties us together, guys, is not that we're all in AA. Can y'all get down with this? I did a bike ride for a century ride one time, and I, some of y'all have heard me talk about it, and I went out on this bike ride, and it got cold, and we knew it was going to get cold, and it was about, there was about 15 of us on the ride, and, and um, uh, most of them left because it started getting colder and colder. This is one of them West Texas Blue Northers coming through there, and it got re- ice, you know. But we were out so far, we said, come on, let's finish this ride. There was a small group of us, and what a ride that was supposed to take us about six hours, it took us about 12 hours to ride. It was that, it was that nuts. And there was about six of us that finished that ride. At the end, it, we were riding in the dark, and everybody was doing what they could do. The strong riders were pulling. We weren't taking turns anymore. We were dying out there. And the strong riders were pulling us, and, the, and they had a guy with a lot on his back of his bike to keep the cars from running up on us because you couldn't see anything and the guy was in the back and everybody did what everybody could do we were going up hills and I felt hands on my butt pushing me up this hill and it's like this is but still to this day these six people I see them in town and we don't have to talk we don't have to do anything we just look at each other and go huh huh because we knew that we'd finished a 100-mile bike ride and we did something that nobody else could do. Y'all follow? All of y'all have had experiences like that. I graduated in my class and we survived. We had kids. We, we went through can- cancer survivors. We survived the shit storm that came at us. The camaraderie of the fellowship is wonderful, guys. But the people, the thing that drives us together is that there's a bunch of us in this room that are actually in the trench doing the work. And you've got people out there all over AA land that don't feel a part of this. You know why? Because you're not in the trench. Well, I'm going to meetings. I just don't know why I don't feel apart. Because you're not doing the deal. Volunteer to get on a committee. Get involved in one of these conferences. Start sponsoring. Start doing the things that people have asked you to do. And I guarantee you, your life's going to change. I'm going to repeat something Meyer said. You guys have been great hosts this weekend, and it's been a delight. It's been a refreshing event for us to to speak to so many people on the same page. Uh, We need more of you on those same pages. i got to tell you that, and that's our job. If, if, if you think this is about a popularity contest, you're wrong. Because exactly what the book says, what the big, big book says, is that you guys that are t- carrying a spiritual message are going to take shots. For every single one of you that sat in the meeting and carried a big book and helped guide the meeting to a successful completion, thank you. For the people that didn't look the other way, why the, why the little lady in the back talked for 30 minutes about her crap and nobody had the cojones to say, excuse me, excuse me, we're off topic here. What gives you the right to dominate a meeting for 30 minutes with 60 people in the room? You're off topic, but we're going to let you ramble like that. There's a nicer way to say it. (laughs) And for those of you that have found the nicer way and shut her down, y'all follow what I'm saying? So that other people could, could, could stay and could learn? Thank you for doing that. For every one of you old geezers that have carried around these big books and, and, and taken the heat, thank you for standing, for sticking, doing these studies. You young people, you women, please. The face of our fellowship are changing right before our eyes. Uh, Fifteen years ago, folks, uh, uh, it was a bloodbath in AA land. Uh, Fifteen years ago, my sponsor, they, used, they would pick it. When they would do workshops out front, they, they, would, they would pick it outside. They would, they would boycott the meetings. The, the stuff that was said about people that were studying the book was, was absolutely tragic. You'll follow? You can go in there and talk about the Zodiac if you want, but you can't come in and talk about how to finish a fourth step without being branded a big book thumper. Just got to say it, guys. Thanks.
The bottom line, I work in the treatment center industry and have for 16 years. I know everything that's coming down the pike. There are 25, over 25 anti-craving medications in the pipeline today and from pharmaceutical companies that can help with the physical cravings of detox from drugs and alcohol. There's not one single solitary effing pill to stop the obsession. You follow? There's nothing that will fix this. And that's why we so desperately need the same spiritual experience that Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob got 75 years ago. Can, can't, you, can't you sense the urgency, the responsibility to continue to carry the three legacies back to the newcomer? And for those of you that are doing it, buddy, you've got my absolute admiration. Thanks for having us this weekend.